0: Sorry this is a bit long. I know this isn't a therapist' office, but this has been bothering me for a long time and I wanted to get it off my chest. This happened June 2018 in Portland, Oregon. I understand that I acted like an idiot in this situation. since then, I have become more observant, cautious, and honestly, much more paranoid. I went dancing with friends and was really drunk by midnight. Unfortunately, this was back when I had little money and I realized you could save money by eating very little before going out and it would take far fewer drinks to get drunk. So I was so drunk, I barely remember my friend ordering me an Uber ride home. My phone was dead, of course. I vaguely recall them helping me into the car and telling me to get home safe. I don't remember greeting the driver or the first minute or so. Soon after getting in, he asked me how my night was and if I smoked. Honestly, I was just thinking about bed at this point, so I sort of just slurred out that I did sometimes. He offered me a joint and this is the first moment I sort of get nervous and begin paying attention. I'd tell him something like, I'm really tired and just want to go home. I think he said something about it being an indica-based joint and it made great for sleep. Once again, I say something not exactly like no, but not a yes. Which he takes as a yes, I'll take at the joint now. Once again, I'm still drunk enough I can barely see straight or speak clearly. So when he says, Okay, well I have to cancel the ride real quick because I can't give it to you while I'm on the clock or something to that effect. It takes me a second to realize how dangerous that was and by the time I start to say something, he has canceled the ride and pulls over. We were in an area just east of the Hawthorne Bridge, I think, and it was totally secluded. Some empty parking lot, a close-by auto body shop with no one in sight. It started to hit me. I'm now in a car, not with an Uber driver, but with some stranger. I can't call anyone and he's trying to give me weed that could have anything in it. For the next minute or so, we're pretty quiet. Or I just can't remember any small talk he tried to make because I was beginning to panic. And every time he handed me the joint, I would take fake hits, just breathing into my mouth and not into my lungs. I felt tired, clumsy, and weak. That kind of drunk where you're almost at the point of nausea and I knew I couldn't do much of anything to defend myself at that point. I remember vividly being fixated for a moment on the fact that I didn't even have a pair of keys to defend myself with as my building uses fobs for just about everything and I didn't take my mail key with me. As I'm freaking out, I look up to see this guy sort of noticing and I make eye contact with him in the mirror. He was staring at me. But i couldn't read his expression finally he says something along the lines of well let's get out of here i tell him i'll just call another uber home thinking at this point it might be safer to walk and he says no i still have your address i'll take you home for a moment i was relieved i guess i wanted to believe him badly that i was going to get home safe i tried to calm myself down thinking he hadn't actually done anything threatening Maybe he was just your typical stoner guy, and I was overreacting. At this time, I lived on the PSU campus in downtown Portland, in the southwest area of the city. He was driving me north, on the east side of the river. There are several bridges to our left, and as he keeps moving north, he has several opportunities to take the exit and hop over the river to get me back downtown. He keeps skipping all of them we keep passing bridge after bridge that could get me home up in northeast portland there are some large industrial areas that can get very isolated at night and portland in general is surrounded by a lot of forests so i knew he could take me to a secluded area really quickly after he passes like the fourth exit for a bridge pretty sure it was broadway bridge I've been racking my brain for a way to make him actually take me home and say something to the effect of, hey, my boyfriend is waiting for me at home. Which was true, though I said it in a very meek way. The driver says nothing, but did take the next exit bridge and basically hung a giant U-turn and started taking me home. Even as we were on the west side of town heading south, I was still shaking and my hands were on the door handle, thinking about just hopping out of the car at a red light the closer we got to my apartment. My phone is completely dead, and he honestly still had several chances to hop onto a nearby highway and speed off out of the city. We're getting pretty close to my apartment now, and I'm once again trying to convince myself that I'm being paranoid about a stoner that can't navigate the city. Although a few minutes before, I was so scared I was crying. So once we get about two blocks from my apartment, I lie and tell him it's easiest to stop here and he can let me out. Again, he doesn't say anything, but does slow the car. I'm flooded with relief and even feel myself smile, but when I go to open the door, it's locked. I try to lift the lock mechanism manually, but it won't budge. I look up at him instinctively to see what's up, and he's got his head turned almost fully around towards me, his shoulders still facing the road, smiling at me. The worst fucking smile I've ever seen. I just started to cry and asking him to open the door. I was so freaked out and still very drunk, and thank God he did. I will never forget the sensation of vulnerability, not just being drunk in a car with no way to contact anyone, But even as I got out of the car, I kept feeling like he would somehow grab the back of my shirt and pull me back in, as silly as that sounds. When I got home, I found out that my boyfriend had actually gone out with his friends at the last minute and wasn't even home. He wouldn't have even known until much later if I had gotten back safe. The next day, I convinced myself that I was freaking out over nothing, which I realized still could be the case but in my gut, I had truly felt in danger the night before. Technically, this guy could have been totally harmless, but I still think I should have texted my friend and reported him. The big thing that made me think of this was recently hearing about how Ed Kemper, the co-ed killer, would go for practice runs, picking up hitchhikers and seeing if he could get the passengers, potential victims, to trust him and how far out of his comfort zone he could push them, without them saying anything. Obviously, this guy was not Ed, but I hate wondering if that night was a practice run of some sort for my Uber driver. So I'm temporarily driving for Uber while we're slow at my salon due to the virus. Today I picked up an older guy, at least my dad's age, 53. Things started out fine with small talk, then he mentioned how I'm the cutest Uber driver he's had. Mind you, I had a nappy bun straight out of bed, no eyebrows today. My natural brows are very light, and a mask on. He proceeds to ask me if I have a boyfriend, to which I reply, no, I have a girlfriend. So he tells me about his son that's gay and shows me a pic, so I ask if he's married. He then tells me that he's not married anymore, but he was, and his kid's ages, very close to mine. And then he tells me that he has a girlfriend and that they're swingers. Not sure why he mentioned the swinger part. Then it got weird. Right before we get to a stop, he started asking if I was completely lesbian, and I told him yes, and he asked why. I simply said that I didn't like any part of being in a relationship with men. He has me pull into the back of a building where there were no other people, just a bunch of parked 18 wheelers and trailers. When I pull up into the destination, he asks randomly if he could show me a video with no context. I say sure, not thinking anything of it. He shows me a snippet of a homemade porno of him and his girlfriend. I won't say what was in the video, but it was disgusting. He says, Isn't that so goddamn hot? You could see all over my face that I was uncomfortable and at this point, we were already at his location and he wouldn't get out. He continued to try to ask me inappropriate questions, saying, well, what's the difference between a strap-on and the real thing? And at that point, I was like, I gotta go. Thankfully, he got out on his own without me having to be hostile. I was trying to avoid being hostile because we were in my car alone and he was a tall man and I'm very petite. With all the crazy people in the world, I didn't want to take a chance of upsetting him and it turning violent. Before he shuts my door, he says, I'd love to talk some more. If that's okay with you, don't tell your girlfriend what I showed you. I said, bye, have a good day and drove off. I reported him to Uber and they have been in touch with me. My wife and I had recently moved into our first house and we had just had our first baby. To make some extra money I started driving for Uber a few times a week. Anyway, I got a hit and started driving to the pickup location, which turned out to be an extended stay America hotel. I've picked up people from these sorts of locations before, and some of them had been very unique individuals. I pull up out front. The notification was sent to his phone that I had arrived. I waited for a minute or two at the front entrance, where I presumed he was going to be emerging. The sun had only just started to set, so the visibility was pretty good. A man emerged. When I say emerged, I literally mean that he must have taken a running jump because he bursted through the bushes and tree line and landed two footed. He was around 40, slim built, and had a spring in his step, which was noticeable. He wasn't dirty or unkempt in any way, so I presumed that he was just having a smoke or something. He had awful teeth, and his skin was pale. Either way, Him emerging from the bushes so dramatically was strike one. He got in the car and we greeted each other. He was immediately very chatty and started telling me about all aspects of his life without me asking or letting me get a word in. He told me that he had just got back from a business trip. That he had been kicked out of his house because he had been away on business for so long. No, he wasn't we were on the way to his house so he could pick up a few things and head back delightful he started asking me about myself but between every new question he would ask me again what my name was to which i told him over and over again he was in the back seat and i could feel him really close behind me breathing heavily as i answered the questions in a guarded but friendly way it sounds strange but I am sure that he was sniffing me. When he started to twitch, it dawned on me that he was tweaking, not terribly, but enough where it was pretty noticeable, if you were aware of the signs. Strike two. We arrive at his house, and I pull up in the driveway. He says that he won't be long, and he'll give me a good tip when I take him back to the hotel. He gets out. I leave the car on. Lo and behold, he doesn't seem to have a key. After trying the basement entryway, a few windows, and kicking the door multiple times, he storms up to the outdoor staircase to the ground floor main entrance. He starts aggressively trying to force the door while hurling a tirade of abuse at whoever he thought was responsible for his situation. A guy suddenly appears from the side of the house, presumably from the bushes, and he shouts that he told him to never show his face here again and to give him his money. Within seconds they are full on fighting in front of my car. There's a large thud as the grappling duo land on the hood of my car and roll on the ground. I zone out for a second thinking how the actual hell I found myself in this situation. At this point they are rolling around on the driveway fighting in front of my car. The actual homeowner must have been winning because suddenly the man I had picked up started screaming at the top of his lungs, Uber driver, help me, Uber driver, why don't you help me? Over and over, the look of exasperation I must have had on my face. How could this dude not know my name? He asked me like 30 times. Strike three. I calmly put my car into reverse and drove the hell out of there. I looked into my rearview mirror and they were still brawling. I have no idea what happened to the Uber passenger or the homeowner, but I went straight home and was thoroughly creeped out. I have been driving for Lyft ever since. When I was in college, I found myself Ubering to make money. This is Southern California and LA at the time was a constant flow of work. Occasionally you'd pick up people in a nice area, and they would tell you that they were sleeping with someone in a relationship, or that themselves were cheating. This was depressingly common. I think that saying what they were doing to someone gave them a weird kind of relief. Once I drove someone from Hollywood to Hammett, California, he was very charming and funny. When I dropped him off, it was a big blue building that they buzzed us into. He left me a $200 cash tip. I later found out that this was known as Gold Base for the Church of Scientology. If you don't know what that is, it's a completely normal, not weird at all in any way, location owned by the Church of Scientology. Feel free to Google it. A few months into my Uber career, insurance companies started using rideshare service, and some people who were more down on their luck would use it. Sometimes this was people just trying to get their kids to school, but sometimes it was much more sad. I can't tell you how much times I showed up to the doctor's office to see someone with accessibility limitations faces drop at seeing my tiny car instead of a van like they needed. The people with substance problems were interactions that would stay with you. Once I picked up a man going to a dental appointment, I drove him for about a half an hour. He told me how he used to run drugs in the 90s until they caught him with a few pounds of coke. He told me about when he was moved from Nevada to Florida for trial, how he traveled handcuffed in a van, how the cops would stop only once a day at McDonald's and for their $1 menu item of the day. He asked me to stop at a liquor store and he chucked a teeny bottle of booze, shoved a mint in his mouth, then sipped on a soda. He smelled like pure alcohol when I dropped him off at the dentist. Near my house was a methadone clinic. I would get up before dawn to be able to take those rides. Early bird gets a worm. Almost always they were sweet and thankful. Sometimes they were a little out of it, but I never felt like I was in danger or anything like that. Just good people going through tough times. These rides were the most consistently depressing. People who were going to court clearly drunk or high. Older women who had trouble requesting a ride and had been waiting in the parking lot of their dialysis place into the night. They'd tell me their stories sometimes a person who was going to court for a child custody case. People struggling with mental illness. Some mornings were exhausting. Being up that early, you'd hit another crowd that I never anticipated. Funeral goers. The saddest funeral ride was when a man and a woman got into the back seat. Rather than speaking to me, the man handed me a neon printout of a map of the cemetery with instructions on what plot to go to, with, Hello, I am attending my father's funeral. My wife and I are deaf. Please follow these directions, written on the back of it. The whole ride, I could hear them signing to one another and trying not to cry. There were also a lot of retired gamblers. They'd leave their houses at 7 in the morning, take a $70 Uber out to the desert and spend the whole day gambling at the reservation casinos. The desert is where I saw the weirdest things. The desert was the only place I ever felt scared driving. It was in Temecula, the wine country of Southern California. Lots of wooded roads and desert. I picked up a lady just off the freeway at what I initially assumed was at the edge of a golf resort but it was an unpaved access road. It was late and the area was especially dark. I was getting ready to call the passenger when I saw them coming down the unpaved access road. It was a tall blonde woman with a very nice pantsuit. She was absurdly put together considering how she had just walked God knows how long in heels down a dirt rock road. She got into my car and she was very pleasant. She told me that she lived in a gated community that was hard for Ubers to get to and that it was easier to send me to the access road. I thought it was weird, but I didn't want to be creepy asking about where she lived. She was friendly, chatty even. She was going to a dinner party and as she spoke to me, I could feel her looking at me in the rearview mirror the entire ride. We drove a half hour away from the freeway to one of those rural neighborhoods that you would hear celebrities had huge parties at. Eventually we reached the address, which was a paved road lined with trees. She told me to keep driving, and I didn't think much of it. Again, we were in a mansion-style neighborhood. We hit a white ranch-style fence after a minute or so going down the road. That was when I started feeling a bit uneasy. There were around a dozen no trespassing signs, and one of those classic, forget the dog, beware of the owner, signs, with a guy pointing a pistol at you. I thought it was more than a little blunt to have that many signs, but hey, not my property. We drove for a minute when we came to another fence. It was at the top of a hill and overlooked a barn with some lights in the distance. I know this sounds weird, but it was unpleasant. I couldn't put my finger on it. It was just a barn with what looked like a barbecue going on. But being out in the woods without any lights had me freaked out. The passenger told me that I could just slide the gate open. As I approached the fence, I saw signs that made me stop cold. Off to the side of the gate, not quite in the dark, but on the fringe of my headlights, there were metal signs with bullet holes through them swastikas, and confederate flags brightly displayed. SoCal has a lot of white supremacist pockets. I had dropped off dozens of passengers in cities like Norco and driven down streets where people were drinking in the garage and Nazi flags proudly hung behind them. It wasn't my favorite, but I wasn't spending any time in those neighborhoods more than I needed to. This was different though. It was after 11 p.m. at night, and I had no idea where I was. I opened the gate, and down the road I saw what I assumed were cell phone flashlights lighting up and coming up the incline. This made me very uncomfortable. I went back and told the woman I didn't think my car could make it back up the hill if I went down it. What are you talking about? Just take me. It's right there. She was getting more heated and I could see the lights slowly making their way up the hill. She kept telling me I needed to cancel the ride and she wouldn't pay to not be taking the entire way. I told her the pin I was supposed to take her to was miles back up the road, but I was so nervous I relented and canceled on my end. She slammed the door as she got out. I took off before I could see the cell phone light people get closer. The road back was much rougher at the speed I was going at. I felt a bump that felt like I hit a body, but I kept going. My car was driving like shit, but I kept driving till I passed the fence out of that rich neighborhood until I stopped at the gas station. My right rear tire was fucked up and I needed to change it. There were a few nails that looked like they had been attached to a piece of wood in my tire. I was freaked out so hard and sometimes I wish I called the cops and reported it, but of course all that happened was I got a flat on a back road and didn't want to spend the rest of my night waiting on a cop car. I know it's far more likely that I freaked myself out than a bunch of Nazis planning to mess with some random Uber driver, but when I picked up a well-dressed businesswoman from a remote location and dropped her off at a separate remote location, it gave me chills that I have trouble explaining to this day.